as we turn to God's word this morning. Thanks for letting me do that. <laughs> uh, the title of the sermon this morning is called, We Need the Wisdom of the Word to Overcome the Deception of the Devil. Last week in our text in Revelation 13, Alan did such a good job unpacking that, man. So many takeaways from that sermon. If you didn't hear it, it's online. Uh, it introduced us to a satanically inspired and empowered beast from the sea. They used oppression and persecution to govern people, put govern in quotes, and to send a message to Christians that you either conform or you be killed. Guys, haven't we learned throughout history that governments or institutions that are not in submission to God will seek to be God, which will ultimately make them more like a beast than a man. And I think that's what you're seeing in the text. I hope you're seeing that in the text. Listen, if mankind is the measure of all things in governments and institutions, they do not become more kind as much as they become more crucifying. Which is why the text called us to grow in our endurance and our faith in the triumph of Jesus. Well, this morning, we see that this beast did not work alone, but that another beast rose up from the earth in the form of a false prophet. He was to be the first beast's mouthpiece. The strategy of the first beast was to use oppression and persecution. The strategy of the second beast is to use deception and seduction. What do you think he uses most in the United States? This is why the text calls us, and this is the, please, I'm going to be kind of hammering this all along through the message. The takeaway from the text is not who 666 is. The takeaway from the text is to know and love Jesus through his word and to know him so well that you can spot a counterfeit a hundred yards away. Let's see if you see that as we read this morning. Could you stand with me as we read God's word? Revelation 13 beginning in verse 11. And then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed, notice the other word, to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, 
to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. Well, Lord, we just pray everything we just sang. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you be seated, please? You know, of all the questions that people have about the book of Revelation, probably at the top of the list would be, what is the mark of the beast and who is 666? Probably two of the top questions that people ask about this book. And I have to admit, I, I was both nervous and excited to dig more deeply into these questions. And I'm guessing at least some of you were both nervous and excited to hear what we would have to say about them. In fact, I had this, I, guys, I have such a wacko mind. I, I was thinking this morning of, of, of wondering, wonder what attendance is gonna be like today. <laughs> I'm thinking of somebody waking up going, oh man, I'm doing, oh man, I don't feel that great. I wonder what, wait, wait, isn't today the mark of the beast in 666 and oh, I'm gonna come in there. What do we have to say? I think it's just this thing about that, uh, it's, it's been so focused and centered on that I don't know that we, we've not gotten a little lopsided in the way we approach it. Um, and so I hope today we, we get out of any lopsidedness and uh, walk in a manner worthy of the text of the Lord who wrote, give this, gave this text to us. Um, so in doing this, you guys, so first of all, you know what? If you, if you just kind of go, oh, I don't, really, I don't really go for what Billy had to say today. Our two most biblically, uh, ac- um, um, our most academically, uh, what's the word? Our two most scholarly men in terms of Bible and seminary training in the church are Alan DeSherry and Christian Cotton. I actually think they probably know who 666 is. So you could just go and talk to them. If you don't like what I'm saying, um, they probably have it all down. <laughs> anyway. So here's where we want to to go this morning before doing anything else. I want to remind us what we've been saying from the very beginning. God gave the book of Revelation to pastor us more than prophesy to us. What's the pastoral purpose of this text? I I don't know that enough pastors ask that question, let alone people listening to sermons. What is the purpose that God has for this text to pastor us? The goal of Revelation, precious ones, is not to give us the code to identify the beast, but to give us the call to know the Christ. We're called to have wisdom, not so much to give a name to the beast, but to worship the name that is above every name on heaven and on earth, Jesus our Lord. We're not so much to calculate the number 666, but to calculate the infinite worth of Christ's death for us on the cross, for our sins, and his shepherd care to lead and guide and preserve us in our journey through this world that happens to be with devils filled. Remember, mighty fortress, right? That happens to be with devils filled, and he'll shepherd us through that world all the way to our heavenly home. 
at the youth retreat, no, I wanted to do this too. I wanted to honor Eric. I don't have any flowers, buddy, to give you. But I wanted to at least give you some verbal honoring. Um, you guys, Eric served our region and our, our church so well at the youth retreat a couple of weeks ago. Our regional youth retreat, parents and youth gather uh, for that retreat. I think there was 150 people there. Talk about working behind the scenes. Eric worked so much in not just preparing worship, but in coordinating between the speakers and working with, with Philip Estrada, who another, so uh, Alberto and Kim's son, Philip, who oversaw the vision for the weekend. Kind of cool that some of these little guys have been, you know, worked out of, out of our local church. Um, and so they're working on all the messages and the activities and the meals and all of these things. It was hours and hours of work. Could, could we thank Eric for his labors of life? So at the youth retreat, I taught Romans 12, 1 and 2, which if you remember is, don't be conformed by the mercies of God, I urge you, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I wanted to encourage the kids of how they need to be devoted to the daily renewing of our minds so that we could be progressively transformed to become more and more like Christ, that's our greatest defense from being conformed to the world. Transformation is your guard against being conformed. Transform, not conform. All of that produces Christ-like maturity. We could call that sanctification. We could call that holiness, which helps us to know and do God's will. Christ-like maturity is what helps us endure through faith in Jesus. God's word and Christ-like maturity gives us wisdom to spot Satan's counterfeits because we know and love the one true God so very well. The book of Revelation has been given by God to pastor us into Christ-like maturity so that we can overcome persecution and oppression by endurance and faith and so that we can overcome deception and seduction through the wisdom of the word. Our main point this morning is God calls us to grow in the wisdom of the word to overcome the deception of the devil. I just don't know that we are, we are focused enough on and, and dedicating ourselves enough to holiness, to growth in holiness. We're, we're counted righteous in Christ the moment we believe. You're ready to go to heaven because of the righteousness of Christ being counted to your, to, credited to your account the moment you believed, the moment you cried out for salvation. You were declared righteous, but the Lord loves to grow us in practical Christ-likeness, Christ-like maturity, holiness. Guys, I, I fear that too many times when we've gotten to Revelation 13 and Mark of the Beast and 666, we tend to be a group of people who just like to, de to, to discuss the details of the word without having hearts devoted to Christ. I, I just fear that so often we're, we're saying, oh, I want to know who 666 is. I want to know who the Mark of the Beast is while I remain in my immaturity, in worldliness, while I'm not dealing with sins and, and putting to death and mortifying sins and seeking to hunger and thirst after righteousness in Christ. And you can see why how we could get so lopsided in the study of the word. God gives us this passage to mature us. Not to just give us some head knowledge. 
about the enemy and about all of this stuff. Does, is that making sense? If you, is that making sense? Can you give me a little amen if that's making some sense? Guys, I think we do the same thing with, oh Lord, what's your will about, my, about getting married? Who should I marry? What will he be like? What will she be like? I mean, just those kind of things. Lord, what college do you want me to go to? Lord, what do you... And never are we praying, God, please grow me in Christ-like maturity. You guys, Christ-like maturity is like a map that will actually help you discern the will of God. So you can know the will of God and do the will of God. The more you have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ and the burning passion to fulfill the mission of Christ, don't you think God's going to show you his will very clearly? And don't you think the Lord's going to, you're going to spot any satanic counterfeit very easily because you know the word. Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is the knowledge of the word that is progressively being transformed into the character of Christ. That's wisdom. Knowledge and character transformation. And then we put it into action. So God calls us to know, to grow in the wisdom of the word, to overcome the deception of the devil. So our point is from verses 11 and 12. Satan, or the dragon, uses false prophets to deceive people into devotion to the beast. Uh, the, the verses say, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Well, we were introduced to a beast from, here we are being introduced to a beast from the earth that Satan uses as a false prophet to get people to put their faith and their hope and their devotion toward the first beast, who we would better know as the Antichrist. And remember, the Antichrist does not just mean against God, against God, against God. It does mean that, but it also means instead of Christ. And that's, that's one of the deceptions where he weaves his deceptions that, you know, that we, we would say Jesus is better. And the Antichrist would say, mm, listen, you, can, you don't have to get rid of Jesus, but there's something else better. And you can actually keep your little Jesus. The, that's the deception of it all. The goal of the false prophet is to deceive people into depending upon and trusting in fallen humanity. That's the goal. Starting with yourself, self-sufficiency. As well, in, as well as in uh, man-centered human governments and institutions to provide you with everything you need for a purposeful and prosperous future. Some have said the false prophet seeks to weave his lies and you can kind of see what the areas in which he works by the fact that he seems to target uh, the areas wherever robes are worn. What, what, the, what the, the different uh, Bible scholars have meant by that is that he seeks to get people to be unthinkingly and unbiblically devoted to the robes of man-centered government. Didn't we see some glimpses of that in the last couple of years? Well, that doesn't mean... It's an inter this is a whole other interesting study if you want to do it. Do a study of Romans 13 and Revelation 13 about what it means to be submitted to government, except certain times where civil disobedience is going to be needed. 
Uh, it's very interesting, very interesting. How about not just the roles of a Christless, man-centered government? How about the robes of man-centered, Christless academics? No, aren't we reaping now the effects of removing any, any sense of God from the academic world? And let's start, let, let's let the judgment begin with the house of God and to the robes of man-centered religion. And I would even go so far as to say man-centered, Christless religion, even in churches. He seeks to offer human counterfeits of, of Christ to draw people away from knowing and trusting and following Christ. And you can see that counterfeiting in verse 11. The scripture says he had two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. So the horns here don't represent kingly authority by any means, but a gentle harmlessness, like that of a young lamb. Remember, the Bible also describes Satan and his, and his, uh, his agents of evil as uh, angels of light. Jesus warned us of these, right? So this isn't anything new. I mean, Jesus was already talking to us about this before Revelation was. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He has the appearance of a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. So don't get this idea of this little lambsy pamsy. <laughs> the little horns just talking about it. He's, he's a younger one. Isn't it funny? I just, it just seems like more and more. I just see, it's like videos and things of lambs and goats. Little lambs and mini goats. <laughs> they are really cute. I mean, don't you want to just snuggle them? I think that's probably what Satan loves for you to do with him too. It just, just to appear like this, this innocent lamb. But it doesn't mean when he has the voice of a dragon that he's roaring or the, <laughs> this picture. I'm just wacko, you guys. I'm so sorry. I just picture this little lamb. He's so cute. And you're about to pet it. And he's just, fire coming blowing out of his mouth. That's not really what he's trying to get at here. Um, he's the mouthpiece of the dragon. That's, what it, that's what's going on here. He's the mouthpiece for the Antichrist. And he's going to use deception and seduction to draw people away from Jesus. We learn much about verse 12 and the relationship between the dragon and the, the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. And why he's called the false prophet in Revelation 16, 13. And I think I've got that in your notes. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet... Three unclean spirits like frogs. Is that in your notes? Did I, did I get that in the notes or did I not get it in your notes? That's Revelation 16, 13. So if you're kind of going, did he say frogs? <laughs> well, no. The, the, Revelation 16, 13 said frogs. So you're, you're getting a sense of there's, here's where the, this beast coming out of the earth is more specifically named the false prophet. There was a counterfeiting. If you notice, there was actually a holy an unholy triumvirate in this counterfeiting because it describes the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. It's like, it's, it's like there's a mockery going on of the holy trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Revelation 5, we saw the Lamb who had been slain for sinners standing in victory in his victorious resurrection giving eternal life to all who trust in him. So we saw, that we know who the real lamb is. But in Revelation 13, we see a counterfeit. 
And this counterfeit isn't going to die for you. This counterfeit is going to expect you to die for him. This counterfeit's going to expect you to give all for him. He's not going to give all for you. And that's where the, that's where the deception is coming. Under the direction of Satan, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. It's, it's like, maybe some of you can better get it with this. I, I just love whodunit things and solving crimes and all this kind of stuff. And so this, if you want to look at it this way, you could see this as a cosmic version of good cop, bad cop. The bad cop threatens you with horrible punishment. And the good cop seeks to alleviate your fears by promising blessing if you'll just conform to our will. Right? Isn't that kind of what's going on? But they have the same goal. So it's not like the good cop and bad cop are, cop are competing against each other. They have the same goal, and that's to get you to submit to them. So what do we see? Don't we see this around the world? In North Korea, China, these are the, the, in the top 10 of the most dangerous places to be a Christian today. North Korea, China, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, and Iran for years have suffered under the strategy of the bad cop. And that's oppression and persecution. And the United States, as we mentioned before, the main strategy of the good cop, the false prophet, has been seduction and deception. But they're both pulling from Satan's playbook. Satan uses both political oppression and religious deception to try to accomplish his purposes. Guys, there are few things worse than a religion that lends its support or recommends devotion to a corrupt, Christless, man-centered, unlawful, and deceitful king or government. But that's what's happened in history. That's what's happened in history. And, I, you know, as you just watch news feeds and press, um, what are the, the press secretary, press secretaries conferences, and you hear these, these, these sound bites coming out of government, Sometimes there's whispers of this. The false prophet's job in inspiring the worship of man-centered government, man-centered academics, man-centered religion, let's go further, man-centered ethics, man-centered media. Guys, it's easier than you think to get, to get us to be worshiping the wrong things. And didn't we learn that in Romans 1? It teaches us that God hardwired us for worship. But Sadly, sin killed our desire to worship the one true God, but it didn't our kill our desire to worship something. There's still this desire to worship something. Something great. We want some experience of, of some transcendence. Some, something that's bigger than us. Something that can make us feel something. Something that can, can, can give us the life that we think would be satisfying. So I want you to think of how many things in, in the world try to offer you that transcendent experience, whether it's the arena of sports or the applause of accomplishment. Sometimes even in the atmosphere of a church that is focusing on getting you to feel something with music rather than the word being the center of things to get us to be conformed to his image. There's just something, isn't there something about it? And, and if it's not happening, if it's not happening, we feel like, God, my life is just so dry and boring and I just, I just need some sort of transcendent experience. 
Well, it's, it's, it's pretty easy when our hearts are already hardwired to worship other things besides the Lord that the false prophet could come in and do some pretty hefty deception. He loves to try to even use good things to corrupt us, turning good things into ultimate things, getting us to make an idol out of our families, an idol out of your job, out of your sports, out of your possessions. How about an idol out of your ministry, uh, your good works, an idol out of your education, an idol out of leisure, and, and in all of that, like I said, and, and it's okay, it's okay, you can keep a little bit of Jesus. Just as long as your devotion is to everything else. Guys, it's important to see that this is a right now issue. This is not merely a last seven years before Jesus returns issue, though it will certainly affect the last seven years before Jesus returns. But it's a right now issue. And this is where, you know, you've been hearing us say, you gotta wake up. Gotta wake up. The last days are now. Why would we say that? Well, it's, it's interesting that the Spirit-inspired book of Revelation, in verse 12, John mentions again that the beast whose mortal wound was healed. Interesting, huh? That he's bringing this back up to the table again. And I think he's doing this so that every church age would realize he's talking to them. And not just the last seven years, folks, of fallen human history. It's important to remember that at its foundation, the one who suffered a mortal wound was Satan. See, I, don't, I think we just kind of bypass that. And we just are going, oh, what human is going gonna, is gonna to be killed and miraculously rise again? Now, I think it, this, this mortal wound issue, remember the, remember the phrase? He will crush his head. Jesus crushed the serpent's head. And even though he's totally defeated, doesn't he still keep to rise, doesn't he seem to always keep rising up generation after generation to deceive and destroy, to... What it was Satan seeks to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Isn't that interesting? Every church age, there's beasts and false prophets raised up to try to deceive and destroy people from becoming Christians, to keep them from becoming Christians. And, and in every age, these evil people and institutions are destroyed. And we think, okay, now it's time to relax and enjoy a golden age, only to see the rising of another beast and false prophets. So I've got to be careful here, because oh, how to talk about politics and, and still... Anyway, here I go. Pray for me. Um, it is so easy, if you don't like who's the president, to think that we're, you're going to get a golden age if the guy you don't like gets taken down, gets removed from office. <sighs> okay. Back to the good old days, you know. Back to the golden era. A believer can never go there. We're living in a fallen world until Jesus comes. There is a golden era, <laughs> right? And it's going to last forever. And it's going to be filled with joy. 
in face-to-face fellowship with Jesus. <laughs> That's the golden era. But until then, generation after generation, evil is going to rise up and it's going to be put down. And evil is going to rise up and it's going to be put down. And we are called to go into that evil world with the soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ so that people are being won out of all of that damnation and destruction. This message is much for us as it was the first century church as it will be for those who are living just before Jesus comes again. D.A. Carson says it so well. This is in your notes. This symbolism is meant to describe the repeated historical manifestations of this monster. He emerges in a Nero, in the Roman emperor, in a Hitler. In every case, the monster is cut down. Many people think that evil in its worst form has finally been destroyed. This is so good. The thousand-year Reich lasted a decade and a half. Surely this was the war to end all wars. And then the genocide starts again in the Eastern Bloc, in China, in Cambodia. The beast receives a fatal wound but always comes back to life. You see, guys, we've got to get this. We can never get out of bed thinking that, okay, there's a peace treaty called. This is great. We can go to the beach. I don't know know why I said the beach. Dan loves the beach. That's probably why I said the beach. You're at war every day. Sin is killing every day. Satan is deceiving every day. And Jesus is winning every day, let's not forget, right? But we, can't, we just can't move back. Listen, and if you're here today, and you, what you need most is a hospital for your wounds, welcome. Welcome to the hospital. But understand, I, the goal of the church is to see you healed so you can get back in the mission. That's what we're, we're supposed to be equipping you for battle as well as healing your aching heart. The Lord is so good and kind. we just got to recognize this, this is for our day, not just the past and not just the future. Second point is the false prophet deceives through heavenly signs and earthly satisfaction. And that's in verses 13 through 15. The false prophet really kind of here seeks to be a counterfeit. So you see counterfeit, counterfeit, counterfeit of one of God's greatest prophets in Elijah because he's a counterfeit of Elijah. The verses say he counterfeits Elijah's ministry, particularly when Elijah called fire from heaven to prove that there was only one God. So the false prophet is going to do all of these and there could be some demonically inspired things here, probably some chicanery as well. These great things to show that the only God people need are themselves. The only God you need is, uh, well, just look to the government. The government will provide you with your phones. The government will provide you. I mean, just the list goes on and on. And is it just because the government is so good and kind? Be blessed and be warmed. No, they're they're looking to get you devoted so you can keep them in office, right? False prophets can appear to do wonders too. Think of Pharaoh's magicians. When Moses uh, and his staff became, or uh, a snake, they did something hooky spooky 
and become snakes too. And then it's just so fun. I just love that story. And then Moses' snake just goes, <laughs> and just swallows them up. So God's always winning in the midst of all these phony signs and wonders, or even some that may be some, some demonically real signs and wonders. But here's what I think we get back to for our point. You guys, don't be fooled by gifted communicators that don't have Christ and him crucified at the center of all that they say and do. There's one guy who's just always on TV, and he lifts up his Bible, and he says, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I do. I can do I am who it says I am. And then you watch, if you ever watch him. He holds up his Bible and he never touches it again. Don't be fooled by the appearance of success and large followings. Don't be fooled by something that gives you good feelings but is shrinking and starving your soul because it's silent about sin and it's silent about repentance and it's silent about faith in Jesus by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. It's silent about the pursuit of holiness. It's silent about hunger for the glory of God through ministry and mission to all peoples if it's silent, listen, it doesn't matter how many thousands of people are attending. Don't fall for it. Probably he's using Elijah too because of Malachi. There's the told of one who would come, who would, who would prepare the way of the Lord. He'd be like Elijah. And of course, we know that was John the Baptist. But in a counterfeit way, the false prophet is seeking to prepare a way for the beast to receive all of the devotion and honor. So we have to have wisdom. We have to be able to know, to know the voice of the Lord in the word. We have to know scripture so that we can discern the lies and the deceptions. Please guys, don't make, don't, don't, don't decide what church you go to based on personality or popularity. Make it about God's word. Make it about a church that makes much of God's son for God's glory. Do you know Deuteronomy 13, you might just write this in your notes. It's not in your notes. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3 says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he then says, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. Oh, verse 3, listen to this. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul or whether you love the transcendent feelings or whether you love the prosperity and, 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 and feeling protected by human institutions and governments. And it gives power to the, to, uh, the power to have breath in the image of the first beast. So if you kind of picture this statue who suddenly seems to start talking, it tries to convince people that even an image or statue of the beast is worthy of worship. Hopefully that brings to mind Nebuchadnezzar and the call to bow down to his image, his statue. In the first century, they commanded people to bow down to statues and images of Caesar. History finds that there was the use of ventriloquism. You can go back and read about all this stuff. They used ventriloquism. They made the statue hollow and big enough for a person to fit into so it could speak from inside of it. I think the point is 
to have the wisdom to know that the false prophet is going to seek to breathe life into our idols. So if, so if we're just thinking of an idol as a statue, which is, it's so much more than a statue, right? It's whatever we love more than we love Jesus. So if you can just picture the false prophet breathing, breathing breath into this statue to where, oh, <laughs> I, am, I am sorry. Pray that you, your future pastors will not be wacko. Um. <laughs> yeah, but Donald, you've let me be your pastor for about 29 years. That is so good. Um. I think that's the issue here, guys, is in the deception of the world. He loves to try to breathe life into idols. He tries to get you to think that sex outside of marriage, oh, that's going to be really living. I, I, I don't need the confines of marriage. We don't need a piece of paper. You know, we can, we can have sex outside of marriage, and we can call it love, and we don't need any of that. He's trying to breathe life into the idol. How about love of money? He breathes life into thinking that I, this, listen, I got to tell you, now I'm 62 and I'm thinking, oof, Lord willing, if God gives me more years, hopefully I have a few good years left. But at some point, <laughs> at some point, I won't be able to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm going to retire. I don't know how that's going to even look like for me. But I got to tell you, The, the false prophet tries to breathe life into convincing me that it's my retirement fund or my lack of that's going to be my security. How about your job promotion? I, he breathes life in it. It, it, it. Listen, here's what an idol is like. An idol is like, I have to have it like I have to have oxygen. I've got to get respect like I need oxygen. My kids need to obey me like I need oxygen. You see how many idols there are in our lives? We have these idols, and, and the false prophet loves to convince you that if you could just stay focused on that idol, listen, it's going to give life to you. I'm breathing life into it. It's going to give life to you. You see where this false prophet, the deception is so... You see why the, why the strategy in the United States is deception and seduction so much, not just the United States. And if the false prophet's efforts of getting you to conform to the standards and requirements of man-centered government and institutions and idolatry through deception and seduction, then he'll be an agent to ensure you experience oppression and persecution. And that's just what the text says. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Some of you who said, I got out of bed to know about the mark of the beast in 666. Could you get out of bed again next Sunday? Come back, because I'm going to hit the pause button here, and we'll pick back up next Sunday with the remainder of Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18, and we'll still make progress into chapter 14. I was, I was just wrestling with, should I include 14 as a part of this study? And I'm, actually, this is, this is really good. This will allow us to give the time that we should give to those last few verses. And behold the contrast between the mark of the beast and in chapter 14, the mark of the lamb. Eric, could you bring the team back up this morning?
that doesn't change the point of this message. The point of the message is you don't just need a spiritual GPS as a Christian. It's just not, that's United States unbiblical Christianity. That's not word-based and word-centered in God, seeking the glory of God and focusing and centering on Christ and Him crucified. Guys, we, we don't, what good is it if you, let's say, let's say, just secretly, you knew Angelo, Angelo. Angelo knows who, who 666 is. Tell us. No. <laughs> what good is it if he knows that but has no hunger for Christ in his glory? Do you see what I'm trying to get across? We have to keep growing. Listen, you guys are an amazing church family. I love you to pieces. I don't deserve to be one of your pastors. Totally feel that way all the time. You are growing in holiness. But if you count today as, I feel pretty good about holiness. <laughs> I feel pretty good about today's holiness. I think I'm just going to stay about right here. I think I'm, I feel pretty good about today's maturity. Today's maturity without continued devotion to following the Lord tomorrow, it'll just look like immaturity tomorrow, folks. The Bible says, seek wisdom. Seek to know Jesus. I, I know you guys have been around me a long time. Know that my, I prayed this for my boys and I'm praying it for your kids. Lord, help them to know and love Jesus better than anyone that they know and love. Help them to serve Jesus more than they serve anyone they, that they, that they uh, care for. Help them to enjoy Jesus more than anyone or anything that they enjoy. It's, it's how we grow up. It's a call to grow up. And we need to hear the call today too. Are you growing in Christ-like maturity? Are you devoted to the wisdom of the word which transforms us into Christ-like maturity? God's word does God's work and it produces sanctification. It produces holiness, practical holiness that's, that's seen in the way we spend our time and the way the, our goals and how we live on mission and all of those kind of things. Oh, we'll talk about 666 and the mark of the beast. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that you know Jesus and become more like him and be a witness for him in increasing measure until he comes again. And living that kind of life, you're going to spot the counterfeit a hundred yards away. Could you stand?